0: reset rebel. It's the reset rebel. It's the reset rebel. It's the reset rebel.
1: Coming to you every day. Welcome back to the Human Library. Very excited to be sitting back here in the hot seat for the second edition. Um, last month we had a wonderful talk on fashion, and this week we are going to be talking about technology. Um, so I'm very excited um, to be introducing the guests this evening. But just first off, um, back in April, a brand new event essentially interrupted um, the opening parties, which was, of course, the Abiba Tech Forum, um, which was actually. know a brand spanking new event and something that kind of disrupted i think perhaps what april um, and the early part of spring is known for on ibiza and they flew in industry tech heads from around the world over three days um, and i was presenting um, part of that and i felt like i was on a very fast trajectory being surrounded by conversations on the ethics of ai the metaverse humane technology biotech fintech crypto web3 and meeting mind in the world of investment, angel investors, Silicon Valley, and helping startups get on stage and get their pictures out there. So it kind of struck me um, that this was you know, just a really new narrative that was kind of emerging about you know, maybe what Ibiza is kind of remembered for and obviously known for. Um, and one that paints the island not just as a party paradise, but as a burgeoning hub for tech and innovation. So today we're privileged really um, to have these guys gathered here. And I met all three of them through um, my time spent at the Ibiza Tech Forum in April. Um, and you know, as the name would suggest, the Human Library, I'm just renting out their infinite wisdom on your behalf um, this evening. So first of all, I'm gonna introduce you um, to Alessa. Hello. Um, and she's a Swiss-born impact entrepreneur who very recently moved to Ibiza and whose thought leadership sits at the intersection of positive impact and emerging technologies. She's the founder and CEO of Top-Tier Impact and is involved in the global ecosystem of impact investors, entrepreneurs, professionals, and public figures across more than 45 countries. Welcome, lovely to see you.
2: Thank you, great to be here.
1: We have just got one microphone, so it's (laughs) going to be a bit like pass the parcel. Um, Jessie Ramon-Brown is from Ibiza, born and bred native, and is our green technology visionary. Um, he started Enverse Labs, and his company is a software studio that sits at the intersection of product, tech, and climate action. They build apps that don't just minimise their impact on the environment, they are faster, consume less resources, and are more resilient. That's the advert for Jesse's company. I'll thank you later. And finally, last, but not no means least, we've got Jesse Kriagmora, who is essentially pioneering the island to become a technology hub in the way that he's catalyzed Ibiza's journey into the tech landscape. And I think, you know, as we reflect on the first ever IBEFA for Tech Forum, which unfolded under his guidance this past spring, um, we're offered a glimpse into the potential really that lies ahead for the island. And the forum not only showcased technological innovation, but also symbolized um, the island's readiness, I think, to embrace a new era of possibilities. Jesse has his finger in lots of other technology pies including his own company Anify, which is a simple media content manager. I'm going to let these wonderful guests say uh, obviously a little bit more about themselves as well through the course of the evening. but Jesse, number one, because there's two Jesses on the panel just to keep confusion to a minimum. Um, you know obviously you grew up here um, and you've you know, kind of seen perhaps the, the very beginnings of what the t- technology you know, evolution, where it exactly began, and you can perhaps even maybe pinpoint that for us. Can you just sort of talk a little bit about that, perhaps, growing up here?
3: Hello, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, um, I always use, like, the, the concept of how technology music-wise, because Evita, we all know, it's focused on music. So, uh, in the 80s or 90s, when I was a kid and started in the, in the world of technology, I saw that the big companies like the discotheques went to Barcelona, went to Madrid to order their technology to like say, hey, I want... And nowadays, the, the own companies that do the music are from Ibiza and they invest in this technology. So it means that Ibiza is very capable to adapt to the needs and technology what they do need, because there is money and it is possible. So it's just adapting and seeing the, the correct way of doing it, mm. my point of view. Was that the question?
1: I mean, yeah, yes, and no. I just feel like you know, when when was that moment that you felt like you know things ramped up a little bit in Ibiza specifically, and how did you know how did it start to to play a bigger role, perhaps in you know being in technology hub as a place where people gather and come together as entrepreneurs, as investors, as as people that are here to start up.
3: Well, I've worked twenty years in uh, private security, uh, doing cameras, access controls and you see the people that come to Ibiza and you realise that Ibiza is very attractive to high equity people that buy a house here and say, well, I'll work four or five months in Ibiza. So you have these tech people already living here, but you just have to get them together in a, in a network and show them that like, we can get technology networking going and talking about it. And like I said of the music, it's just... Um, like you say in, in Spanish, oferta so demanda. It's like, what do you need? Like, give a, a solution to the problem. And uh, when did I realize? If you live in Ibiza, you you, you start to see okay, uh, hotels are all using, like, ICG Manager, that's the software, and they're all using it because it's the, what, what the companies in Ibiza offer. If you offer something else, they'll, they'll adapt to it. It's a. Uh, it's been ongoing since, like I said, since the music, investing in it, and people will adapt and bring those alternatives, like Jesse has done. Like I had this idea and bring it together and, and follow it up.
1: Mm. Alessa, what brought you as a, as a Swiss-born entrepreneur to a place like Ibiza, obviously you're a little bit more fresh off the boat than these two who grew up here. And what, what attracted you to, to come here as, as, a, as a tech entrepreneur? Yeah, what I was going to say also about
2: tech today being present here is that I believe what's happening in Ibiza is something that is happening in other incredible hubs and places around the world that have these melting pots of cultures, perspectives, sectors. I see Ibiza as such and quite frankly that is what attracted me here because uh, there are quite a few people who like myself have built their teams remotely, their activities are more flexible, right? And so, i get to choose from a cultural perspective from uh, an exposure perspective from a lifestyle perspective where do i want to be and where am i going to be inspired and so i think that's why one way or the other like tech and innovation just comes here anyway right because it's coming to places like ibiza and the places where i've been before Ibiza as well once i started realizing that hey, I don't necessarily need to be in London all the time, I can be in more exotic, <laughs> I can enjoy all places as well, and split my time, this is happening. And so, from my perspective, that's how Ibiza is becoming as well, a hub like this. Mm.
1: What kind of tech entrepreneurs have you been meeting over the course of the summer, like maybe you've been mingling in, in you know, places that aren't necessarily known for being a technology hub, like parties, but, you know, it's just been intriguing to hear your experience thus far. 100%. I've been very surprised, actually, because I
2: didn't necessarily have many expectations <laughs> on that front, and uh, I can always go to London or somewhere else for that. Um, I met a big amount of impact-focused founders, investors, professionals, maybe spending here a few weeks or a couple of months or the whole summer. Uh, some of them were my friends who moved here and, you know, part of why I came here as well. Was seeing like several people who were with friends or doing very interesting things. But over the summer, I've really been amazed by the amount of people who just end up overlapping in Ibiza. And so, all these spontaneous meetings, like you say, at parties or gatherings, community gatherings in
1: nature, all sorts of experiences that are not tech experiences, I've found a lot. <laughs> we'll get into some <laughs> of that later. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> and Jesse, also. Oops talking about you know growing up here and obviously the inspiration perhaps what maybe made you wanting to start up a company that's more kind of you know green tech focused rather than um you know a traditional tech startup.
0: well i think the biggest influence like the island actually gave me was kind of having a alternative network so i came from you know i was working in paris i was there for six years working in the Startup scene, everyone has kind of that same mentality of just like, you know, growth and growth, invading your start-up and so on. Um, And I kind of came to Ibiza and, you know, I came to see my parents and so on. And through through this um, network of people, just social gatherings, uh, I managed to meet uh, alternative people. That kind of presented ideas that were different mm. um, there was a case where I kind of well I met a guy um, called finn Harris that i 'm sure you know, and he 's big into like the climate change subject and so on at the time i you know'll be fully honest i, I wasn 't really that into it i wasn't you know it, it wasn 't a subject that really moved me but um, that just more conversations like that kind of um, Pointed me in the direction to kind of start researching on the subject, and the, the more I learned about it, the more I kind of felt passionate about it, and that's how Enver Labs was born. Um, and yeah. How
1: how can what was it that attracted you perhaps to to leave Ibiza and go and make Madrid your co-founding home for Enver Labs?
0: Um, I guess still like. Ibiza isn't, like, I also need a certain amount of, of tech movement and tech companies that I still haven't found here at the moment, um, but I mean, I, I constantly come, you know, especially in the summer uh, times, um, you know, because you, 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 you get to experience all these kind of different mentalities and, and, and ideas that, that really influence you. But I guess uh, being in Madrid primarily is because we have the, the main infrastructure, right? So there's lots of meetups and, and, and forums and stuff like that, which Jesse has certainly already started and, and it, it's great. Uh, but there, there's just a greater movement that really kind of pushed you in a, in a certain direction.
1: Thank you. So going back to the the birthing of the, <laughs> of the Ibiza Tech Forum, which I, I obviously saw firsthand and looked like quite a mean feat to pull, you know that there was a lot of people there, you know from all over the world, which was amazing. I, I think like what you know what was the catalyst for you coming up with that concept in, in the first instance?
3: You mean how how it became an idea or how it came to, to be become live? Well, it was a, a meeting we did. Um, with the government, the government has a... um, and that's information for everyone, um, like a social group called CREATEC, okay? Where it helps uh, startups from Ibiza to like get information what the government have, they can help them and all that. So there was a little meeting, we were only like 20. And um, I just said, I mean, why isn't there a tech hub or a big concentration with all the people that is in Ibiza. I mean, we can get lots of people together. And then came out that the concept of the government is very close. It doesn't reach out to the, let's say, the technology, the nomad technology that live in Ibiza, it's English speaking. Okay. I'm not going to say German, I mean English because it's not Ibiza or Spanish. It's the government is used to. Okay. So there is like um Like a wall there that has to be broken between the government and uh, this ecosystem, there's on the island, okay. And that's where I fit in a bit, okay. And I said, Well, let's reach out to these people that are in Ibiza that the government usually doesn't reach out because of the language barrier. And uh, because Ibiza, Jesse will, will, will see the rest of people maybe don't realize that much, but Ibiza is very focused on on Catalan language. Everything has to be in Catalan. Everything has to be in Catalan, okay? And uh, I, like, that's, I think, that big wall that has to be broken, okay? And understand that Ibiza is tourism-focused, okay? Like, we were, last uh, recount was in 2018, we were 150 people living in Ibiza. And in uh, in in August you have more than half a million, so you can see it's more than double. I mean, people that come to Ibiza that don't speak maybe or Catalan, Mm -hmm. okay, and more and more people are buying houses in Ibiza that don't speak or Catalan but have a lot to offer to this ecosystem of technology that we want to build. Uh, So going back, how it started was saying, well, let's do it. Yeah, who's going to do it? I mean the government can put the place, the location, the infrastructure and then there was Tarin that was the partner that brought all these incredible people like Amit that you knew he was the director of uh, blockchain of Silicon Valley. Um, we had very interesting people okay and they're all getting back like saying okay when is the next one coming so they are they'll put their their little help to bring and make it bigger and that's how it started like let's get it going and then i was in the middle like communicating with everything preparing the website and all that
1: thank you um, i think it's just fascinating because i mean i was supposed to be working at the international music summit and then i got a call last minute to say that your presenter <sighs> had not made her plane from dubai and i was not supposed to be there at all and it was literally the day it was starting so i was actually a little bit torn because I had these plans at the IMS and talks I was due to host and I decided to jump ship and come and join you and um, it was actually a great decision because um, I think at the back of my mind if I'm going to be completely confessing um, I felt like it was going to be a bit dry um, compared to IMS and (laughs) I wasn't sure what to expect but it was nothing like that, it was extremely fun, I met some really amazing people who were again not what I expected at all. And here we are now having this conversation. So, thank you for putting that together. I mean, do you want to talk at, at all about you know the fact that there was some funding available? Because I think you know this isn't just a, a pie in the sky concept. I mean, Ibiza clearly is backing this idea to actually make Ibiza into a tech hub. Even you know whether it is or whether it isn't, there's there's obviously an intention there.
3: Yes, yes. Since I mean, since we. Managed to get going. It wasn't easy. It was not easy at all um, Because Ibiza has a, a big problem that um, That's why you go like top 10 billionaires in the world and I mean you got Americans on there Okay, why? Because their their way of thinking is uh, something new. Let's exploit it Ibiza was well, Spain, but especially Ibiza is the other way around something new, Oh, I don't want to know anything about it, I go to what I know. So I mean, that mentality, change that mentality in Ibiza is hard, it's, it's complicated. And with the the IT at Ibiza Tech Forum, what we wanted to do is, and that's what the impression I had, is do it different, like being more like together around in spontaneous things, that people realize that Ibiza doesn't have to be old school, but new school, like change that, that mentality. That was the whole concept or, or idea. And since then, uh, lots of people have contacted I mean, there's, I call them uh, from the Spanish, Canta Mañanas morning singers. Okay, mm-hmm. there's a lot of that in Ibiza. And there's a big problem in Ibiza of that, of, because of that. Because you go, uh, people come to you, ah, oh, we'll build this, we mean that, and then they get money and then they leave. There's a lot of that, okay? And that is called Canta Mañanas. And Ibiza is a bit fed up of that because you get a lot of that. So it's hard. When you already start something, people start to see it, then you get a lot of traction. And we've, we've been contacted by the government of, of Ibiza, because as we did it, you already have a name, and they send us, like people from New York, from Dubai, from different people, like they wanted to do an event, and say, I oh, will contact Jesse, because he's already started one, maybe you can do something with that. So we, we're trying to get lots of things together, and um, well, now it's starting after, now in September, we'll get it all up and running and uh, there's lots of interesting things so yeah let, let's hope to do this 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 hub and networking where we can join everyone together
1: thank you i'm super excited to see how the next one is going to evolve i mean in terms of you know the fact that you work with um sort of impact tech so to speak, or in you know work that creates impact can you maybe explain a little bit more deeply obviously jesse has the green tech but i'm kind of I don't, you know, I'm not sitting here as an expert in technology. I'm, I'm a facilitator and I would love to understand more about what it is, you know, what impact it is that you're looking for.
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, there are a hundred different ways to define impact. And so the way we think about impact, the top tier impact is anything that has a positive innovation component that you can measure. And that also is part of this paradigm that has sustainability and equality embedded in the way we operate. So in how investments are made, in how companies are being run. And so actually our range is vast because it covers renewable energy, sustainable communities, circular economy technologies, alternative education, whether it's actual schools that have different models or more technology related to accessing education or having different educational (coughs) experiences. And so we have this vast range and the way I created Doctor Impact a few years ago was really observing these impact phase and thinking, "Wow, I love this. This should go mainstream. I don't want to have to say impact. I don't want to have to say sustainability. Why do I need to say sustainable investing? Investing should be sustainable, right?" And so, the mission of Doctor Impact from the beginning has been to take into the mainstream this impact and sustainability paradigm until we don't have to say it anymore, because there's still a little bit of a distinction. And I've I've operated across most areas of tech. And when I started my career in like, tech and venture capital, it was all meshed together. And I noticed how I gravitated more towards like positive, impactful, exciting areas. Uh, and I think now there's such a big understanding, right? Because all of this has become mainstream in our culture to a certain extent. But obviously, so much more needs to happen. So yeah, that's how we think about impact.
1: It was just very interesting because I, I gather you, like me, were a last-minute addition to the Edith Tech Forum, and actually one of my favourite speakers. you just like the way you and Amit kind of went backwards and forwards and interacted with each other. And I, you know, wasn't any expert on crypto, or blockchain, or anything like that until, you know, I found that talk very enlightening, if I'm honest. And I think there's a lot of people, if you kind of, um, particularly in the last talk that we had, which um, Nelliana was talking about blockchain and its use in in the world of fashion to create accountability and transparency and I think you know there is a lot of positivity um coming out of the world of tech and I think there's a lot of focus specifically now you know with AI coming in Um, and there were some talks about the future of of those kinds of things and and the evolution of them in you know how are they going to affect us in terms of like the safety of you know people's jobs and a lot of doom talk I think perhaps about um the, the tech world and I think that's um, a little bit sad really but what's your, been your experience of, of working in the world of impact tech? Yeah, I think when it comes to
2: technology, I see technology as a tool, technology is neutral, it's about the intentions with which we use technology, right, we can use it to build utopia, we can use it to enable dystopia, really, it is like that, and especially when you take Web3 and crypto, because, you know, I, I probably mentioned it on, in that talk, but I think it's a good example, because I think Web3 crypto can be so impactful And yet what we see out there is more the exploitation of it and the trading and the scams and then the, it's almost like exacerbated some of the problems that we have in capitalism today. So this late stage capitalism, as we call it, right? Where it's like, okay, exploiting to the max. So it's interesting at the technology level though, this technology is, we could say, is also more Ibiza friendly here, but like it's a very feminine technology. It's a technology that is about collaboration, distribution, collective purpose, right? It's really not just the things that you see out there. It could be used in such different ways. And that's what originally 10 years ago when I approached it excited me so much about it. Now, We're not quite there yet to to use it like that, uh, you know, in most applications. But I think it's important to keep this perspective with technology. And I think it's the exact same thing with AI. I mean, look at it. I think most of you guys are probably using ChatGPT or, you know, have interacted at least with AI a little bit. We use it also in my other company SG360 in the product, the platform we build and ai can enable anything right and ai can be seen so positive i've seen now creatives designers copywriters that are extremely positive about it and then i've seen the opposite right i've seen the ones who are excited and i've seen the ones who are scared so i think it's both how we use it and then also the attitude that we have towards it
1: obviously I wrote these questions tonight um with chat and GBT, and um actually I <laughs> I did actually put all three of your profiles in just to see what would happen I mean it would be ridiculous if I didn't um considering the topic of uh, of the conversation but you know it's extremely handy particularly in podcasting I mean you know there's just little things that have been invented to remove you know extremely bad background sound for example like wind or um yeah, interference of any description, and, and it's fantastic. It's, you know, saved me on many, many occasions. So I was a big, yeah, technophobe not, until not that long ago, but some people have showed me some things where, yeah, I just don't know what I would do without it. So it's, you know, even technophobes can be convinced. Um, in terms of, you know, the, the green tech um, that you're working with, I mean, what's the difference? When, you, when we sat down initially um, when we were talking about you doing a TEDx talk, you were kind of explaining this idea of um, the, you know, the, the, the less distance that things have to travel, which I found quite unbelievable. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that and the development of that within the software that you're working with. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a complicated uh, topic. But put simply, uh, when you think about software development, uh, usually you think of like the computational uh, performance and the user experience um, green software engineering or, or like green software uh, tries to add another variable which would be the impact it has on the environment so we're still taking into account like the, the, the actual performance the user experience but we want to um, keep uh, keep the uh, impact it has on the environment in mind. Um, what many people don't know is that um, software has a massive impact on the environment. Um, uh, if you look at the numbers, like I th- there was a recent study in two thousand and twenty that uh, kind of reveals that four percent of global emissions come from software or the internet, um, and that it was going to double by two thousand and twenty-five. Um, so, just to give you an idea, 4% is equal to the whole industry, uh, aviation industry, and people are super worried about the aviation industry, but don't really give a shit about uh, the internet. Sorry for, um, and so, how, like, people usually ask, okay, so I mean software, how does that kind of like, uh, pollute, really? And it's not software itself, it's kind of the, the hardware. That it uses um, that uh, pollutes. So, just a, a, a very simple idea would be like, let's say there's a, a big data center um, that has all the information. Uh, the more information it has, the more energy it needs to consume, right? So, and that's like just plugging it in, we say. Um, so, what we try to do, um, our aim is to kind of reduce the CO two um, The internet or our web or our apps uh, emit. Um, How do we do it? Um, We try to optimize like the energy efficiency from like our algorithms. This is the most complicated aspect. Um, Then uh, you also have to make sure that all your infrastructure, so like the the data centers and so on, are uh, green and sustainable, you know, because you can have dirty energy and uh, better energy, per se. Um, And then also you have to look at the actual uh, data center uh, overhead. So like all the, you're trying to reduce the amount of energy that you need to kind of create a good experience. I'm not sure if I want to do that a bit, but more amused
1: at yeah this kind of I don't know sing song that's going on in the background it's quite interesting to sorry I was was listening very deeply as much as I could be Um, what do you think is the number one thing like holding Ibiza back from being um, you know a technology hub perhaps what have you witnessed or what have you come up against maybe in your interactions with the governmental forces who you know are obviously essentially behind this idea but what what have you maybe seen that could be um, keeping us from, from kind of going forward and being like a real place where people want to get together in
3: that way? Government size, you mean? Just anything. Well, it's a bit like I said, um, Spain is very slow in adapting and, and running. Now it's starting, I mean, in, in, in Sevilla or in Malaga, we're gonna, they're going to call it the Silicon Valley of Europe to preparing a whole new thing i been invited there. It's uh, in uh, February. There is a big uh, event there. Now uh, Spain is a bit into it, but it, it didn't really invest in technology because it had tourism, and it didn't really care much about the rest. And now it's a bit more focused, but it's all the mentality of the of the people, mm. okay? And as well, a bit referring what Alessa said, I think. Uh, technology has passed from a necessary, like a tool, to like a face, like a moda, like a... How do you say moda in English? Like um, a... fashion. Sure. Yeah, like a fashion. Nowadays, you go on the internet says, ah, oh, I need this app. You look for it and you'll find like 20 30. People do apps or do technology on what they think they need or they should create. Okay? It's not really that much like anyone nowadays. And as you said, more with artificial intelligence, it's getting easier to develop what you have in your brain as a, as a, as a dream and make it reality, you know? So I think there's, there's like a big change, like Jesse said, like there's more consumption in, in, in technology because people are doing all kinds of different things. So it's like music, like fashion. Like maybe you create something, and there's like a niche of people that are interested in it, but maybe you didn't think about it on that way. So starting on that base, we we really don't know what's going to happen in, in ten years or how people are going to use what what's coming out now in ten years. So it's just let it let it go. You just have to keep on your your own road, keep on going, and just hope that people. And the government join it. Mm-hmm. Because they, if you go to a government and tell them, look, you have to do this, this, and this, they, they, they won't listen to you. They have their agenda and they just do the minimum possible and, they, mm-hmm. and whatever they have to do. They have to realize that the community, that the people want that. So you have to reach out first to the community, create a, a, a create something that the community reacts to, and then go to the government, mm-hmm. not the other way around. That, that's That's like hitting your head against the...
4: I can add something,
2: please. So this is more pragmatic. It's two things, price and convenience, or rather lack of convenience, Uh, because I can speak from my own experience. Um, It took a while to adjust, right? Like convenience and, oh, I need to move everywhere by car. Car breaks down. It's a bar. Where do I find this? You know, these are things that you don't face in cities. And even when you look at cities, and you look at how cities develop tech ecosystems, Berlin, for example, um, it's often very correlated to prices, low prices, accessibility, and develops these areas. It's so interesting because you also see it in the cheapest parts of cities, which then become much more expensive parts of cities. So I've you know, i seen it in London, how East London and Shoreditch went from really being like, oh, the, Less desirable area to becoming like absolutely like mainstream and uh, really well regarded for offices because tech in itself developed a lot and you know became valuable as an industry as well. Berlin went through the same, and so
3: Silicon Valley, Valley. Valley.
2: there you go, yeah, as New York as well, Brooklyn, so. There's, there's this correlation and I, this is a little bit like of a different thing, right? You can't say, oh, that part of visa is, that, it's just not like that. You really need to want it, right? And I think that's where you get that special intersection of people that are um, perhaps a, a little bit unique in their combinations as well. That's what I see in Ibiza, right? There's more unique combinations of the skills, the background, and the reasons why they would be here.
1: I mean, in your experience of working in tech for, you know, how many years? 10 years, 11 years. Mm. How how do you, you know, obviously, like, for example, the wellness scene, for example, here is quite scattered and segregated in villas or caminos or, you know, studios that are quite hard to find. Um, But I think, you know, obviously, by its very nature, tech is much more easy to connect. But how how do you see the technology scene maybe... I well, have a crystal ball, but maybe developing in a way that, you know, it would be very necessary for us to get to where we need to go.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is going to sound obvious, but community and having a good space for working is so important. And I've seen it in other places similar to Ibiza. Like I said, once I left London just before COVID and became more flexible and started hiring people remotely, I was in places in Asia that have a few parallels to Ibiza. And in all those places, finding a good co-working space, finding good community support was always key. So for example, on the co-working side, you know, I do see it also as my challenge and a few friends of mine in similar shoes. You know, we're trying to figure it out. And maybe, I mean, there's a couple of options here. There are, which is amazing. Um, but I guess we're looking for something a bit specific, whatever it is. So I think that um, that tends to pave the way for a good ecosystem. So it's having a good place to go work that you really like and that makes you productive, and then having that community support that's like-minded. Mm. i to uh, add
0: on to that. Please. So um, what I see a good way of, of kind of expanding the actual tech scene here is um, Ibiza are at the absolute forefront of the experience economy so, like, we have world-leading uh, nightclubs, for example. We have the best resorts in the world um, for sustainable, regenerative sustainability, and so on. So, if I'm a tech startup and I come here and I kind of, you know, experience all these different experiences, I can align with the ethos of the island, you know, and that is in itself a great advantage. Um, uh, to starting a startup, right? So, let's say I have an investor coming up, and rather than just pitching the idea to him that you would usually do, which, just to let you know investors, you should know, um, go through like 800 to 1000 pitch decks a year, rather than just presenting an idea, you can really immerse them into an experience, right? I mean, just, let's take Juntos Farm as an example. Like, if I can just go, and take an investor and just show them what the regenerative farming is throughout the whole experience. I think you really have an advantage uh, for that.
1: Going back to what Alessa was saying about community and this idea of us needing to get together in certain ways to drive you know, that narrative forward of, of, of expanding and evolution in Ibiza, what is it that you find in a place like Madrid, then, be more specific maybe about what it is that you get there from that community that you can't have here?
3: Um. Well,
0: the community, which is definitely, I mean, um, yeah, uh, I think the community, the infrastructure, um, and um, the talent, really. I think uh, that's a big part now. Potential clients. Yeah, yeah, but you can find them online also and uh-huh. stuff, but I mean, ta- yeah, it's, 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 it's Depends really on the industry, um, but I would definitely go with community infrastructure and talent uh, and local t- uh, clients if, if they're needed.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting just to talk about this because obviously that's something that you are hoping to work on more, bringing people together through events like these, for example, and you know networking events, startup pitches like we had um, during the conference. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, obviously maybe we should all discuss at some point, maybe at the end. But I think in terms of like what you have maybe planned for the, for the next event or what kind of trends or stories that you'd like to tap into to showcase through panels for the next um, talks, what, what have you got
3: in mind? Well, something I'm, I'm going to do or want to do is like pitch... Um, uh, I don't know if you know Mercadona, no. Roche, the owner. He created like a big hub where a startup goes, has legal advice, has architects, has all you need to develop your startup. Okay, they uh, earn like a percentage, and they give you like a flat to live and everything. So. If we really want to create this community of, of, of startups and all that, the big problem, and everyone here knows that, the big problem in Ibiza is uh, housing, I mean, where to live, okay? One, one, it's limited. Second, it's very expensive. So my focus or my whole concept or idea of creating this ITF, is in the future get like investors and government together, like say, okay, we've got this plot of the town hall or whatever let's build here 50 60 flats with offices mm-hmm. with uh, um, like kitchen with everything prepared like uh, a school like like i like say okay i have idea i want to go to evita and develop it mm-hmm. and have like uh, government wise and private wise equity vcs and all that all integrated in one and Having pitches all around the world saying, "Okay, I would love to go to Ibiza and create my startup," but you have a filter, of course. Like, is the startup viable or not? And have that bring in—that's the whole concept, or idea. Of what I want to get going with this ITF. Mm-hmm. and it, and it's viable, it's possible. I got I got the investors, I got the, the city council with a plot, incredible plot in us and, and and it's all viable, but. We have to, like I said, have the community backing up. If we create all this, this uh, infrastructure and all that, and we don't have people saying, "Hey, I want to come," uh, it's useless. So let's first get that community, and then we'll get going that infrastructure. Imagine having like a got talent; it's so famous around the world, okay, of artists. But technology is an artist. I mean, it's it's get. Getting an idea and developing it. So have like a got talent and creating an Ibiza. Like have judges, instead of judges, have investors saying, hey, there is, like, there's a, a series called Sha-Tank. And that's really good. Well, have it, but really have it. Not Sha-Tank where, yes, and then you have no idea what's happening. You leave the control. Have the government back it up. You know? That's the whole concept of idea. I just add to
2: that that actually i love that because it's bringing the best of both worlds exactly. where you can actually leverage the brand that ibiza has exactly. right i mean it's exciting Correct. like you exactly. put it out there like that exactly. and you tell a startup hey if you make it through this filter right apply if you make it through great deal for you covered and you're in Ibiza. visa like, exactly you have
3: you have six nine months to develop your startup mm-hmm. and then have party with it afterwards when you've <laughs> created it. Yeah, you know? because there's
2: some this proliferation, you know, of like these incubators and programs exactly. and... they so Yeah, so there's a lot of them, and I think that within that market, yeah. that is for a pretty
1: crowded market, these would stand out.
2: Exactly.
3: It's really cool. Correct.
1: Mm-hmm. What have you seen here this summer that maybe, you know, like the one technological advancement that you would like to, to see from your short time here?
2: Okay, this is super recent, and that's probably the first thing that I recall. And it's, in a way, it feels very Ibiza, actually, how these came together. So it's this quantum frequency technology that someone from, uh, you probably know that someone from um, uh, the Netherlands has developed for a very long time, pretty much his whole life and career. Um, He's very knowledgeable in the space. He was just visiting recently, brought into products such as an ice bath, which is a, a quantum frequency based ice bath. I did it a couple of days ago. Uh, and I have to say, it was a pretty interesting experience, but that's a different story. I won't go <laughs> into that. Um, to me, there was a very cool marriage of the side to the business, you know, it's not particularly technology enabled. It makes sense here in Ibiza. Let's get these ice baths everywhere and then bring in this technology in. And having a market here for that, right? Because here you definitely have a mindset and an openness to things like that.
1: I'm not, I'm not really sure what a, a quantum frequency ice bath is. <laughs> Excuse me for not being down with that one. I don't, don't know. Anyone else here know what a quantum frequency ice bath is? <laughs> Could you care to explain? I'm quite fascinated.
2: That's so funny. <laughs> Could you say that? So, ice baths, do we know what it is? Ice baths? Yes. Great. Um, <laughs> this is really amusing me because it's like when you know you're in an Ibiza bubble, like you say, it like it's a normal thing. Hey guys, I'm just gonna quantum frequency. I smile. Okay, and so frequency. So there are devices that um, work with frequency. Now everything has a frequency. I think that's probably commonly understood. Uh, but there are devices through which you can both measure frequency or deploy frequency and frequency can be like you know through sounds and music uh, objects have frequency we have you know a certain frequency as humans everybody's different Um, and so it's using a device putting it on a high frequency which means you know a frequency that enhances well-being so like you know a level of love and i won't go into an explanation of this because it would get long Uh, but basically frequency that from a health and well-being perspective are supportive and putting those into the water of the ice bath so that when you do your ice bath you don't just get this already very intense ice bath experience you know if you've done an ice bath you know what i mean it's cold um but you also get the benefit of getting charged with a positive high frequency through the
1: water amazing <laughs> sounds very thing, you're right yeah. absolutely maybe that's uh, something that we all need um, to have a little go on. Um, in terms of, you know, maybe what is lacking in Ibiza, I think like, for it to become a real technological hub, there needs to be, obviously, as Jesse was explaining, perhaps more attention to you know, the lack of housing and the way that we can support each other as a community, but maybe like in terms of transportation as well, there does seem to be many areas that, you know, we've seen like new payment systems coming in and apps and is there anything else, you know, any other areas that you would identify maybe that you'd like to see um, kind of expand?
3: Um,
0: hmm. yeah, I guess because transportation is one, but then there's the whole, it's an interesting, well, uh, what I'd like to see is what, what I think, what really made a big change also was um, co-working offices, like uh, the Hub, for yeah. example, um, and the one in Santa that I know that you guys may have. And um, so I think those are things that really push kind of people to connect and kind of at least innovate you know, or try to innovate together. Um, so probably a, f- a few more of those would be nice. Um, again, housing is a huge subject, uh, especially because. We all know that um, when you do start uh, a startup, you're not making much money at the very, uh, at the beginning. Um, And, you know, you just really can't afford the even thing or housing. So housing, um, more actual spaces, and then uh, probably a bit more uh, visibility on the matter. Um, So I know that you've, you know, you, you started the forum that gave uh, a bit of visibility, but I think more events like that, uh, that could really push uh, the idea of Ibiza being in uh, taxi.
1: What, what's the biggest kind of struggle that you face as a, as a start-up?
0: Oh, not, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, well, there's there's funding is one. I'm, I'm talking generally, generally really. Uh, funding would be one, talent is another, and then, uh, you know, finding your, your, your clients, your people that, that will consume your product or service. Um, but yeah, so if that were to be linked to, to a startup here in Ibiza, which isn't my case, um, I think funding can be a, a difficult subject. Especially with investors, invest. Well, Ibiza, we know that is during a certain period of time is a kind of a melting pot of like the world elite. Also, so so that's there's plenty of advantages uh, with that. Especially because you know you can, like I said, take them to different experiences rather than just presenting. But also um, you have a roaster being in the in the centre of the Mediterranean, like you, you're in the crossroads between Europe and everywhere else. Um, so there's a roster of uh, international investors that can be of great help. If I would have stayed in Paris, for example, I only have access primarily to French investors. Um, so that could be a, a, a good point. Um, and yeah, that that would uh, that would be it for the moment.
1: I think it was really amazing that you had the startup um, pitches between the panels. It was really, really great that you you know came up with that idea to to showcase the talent that Ibiza does have, but also you know allow people to connect with um, the right kind of investors or angel investors and venture capitalists. Is that kind of something that you want to work a bit more deeply on? Maybe kind of supporting other startups that are already on the island.
3: Yeah, of course, and I'm pushing with the government. Um, more help in that, in that, in that way. I mean, the main focus, of course, like you say, is funding. You want to create something, you need money for it. But, to be honest, uh, before you even get to that point, I would focus on legal matters, okay? How, how, how does your concept or your ideal plan out in a legal way, before you even get money into it. And um, how are you gonna, like, create your timeline? How are you gonna, okay, i get money money, now what? You know, plan that out. And for that, even if you've already created two or three startups, people that maybe created five, ten, okay, that one, but even one or two, you really need someone next to you saying, look, you're gonna have to do this, and this, and this, and that. You have to get that order. You can't just say, okay, I got money, and now what? You know, I, you really need to have things clear. So, uh, this this um, government um, program I told you, tech they they are doing that, they are helping. But, again, back to what I said, they're not reaching out to really the people that really have that idea because maybe they they only speak English, or they don't want to fill in a formula in Ibithenko. Uh, yeah. I mean... So that has to really change a bit. And um, but there is, you can go to Ibiza, to Santalalia. Uh, the Santalalia government does every year something similar to Got Talent. He gets startups and uh, helps them. Okay, only gives them three thousand euros in in vouchers. It's not even money, but it's it's a beginning. Okay, and they really they've they've changed like they've five years already they changed and they've realized they have to reach out to the non-Ivita speaking people in Ibiza and they're doing a good job, little by little they're, they're, they're doing it. And uh, that's what you, what a startup needs, someone that gets your hand, holds your hand and says look, you have to do these things. But it can't be private because then you can't really trust it because you're thinking maybe they're getting an advantage out of me. That usually happens, a lot, <laughs> a lot. So it has to be government focused. That the government is going to help you to find what you need and then go ahead. Because, um, like I said, the Mercadona, the Raj. Thank you, because you've helped a lot, lots of startups. But uh, I, I, I wouldn't go near him. He's he seems a nice person, but I mean, he really juices you out to give uh, the maximum you can. And and. Most of those hubs are like that because they see like a business and not a helping way. So the government have to interact in that way, get in your hand. Hey, you have to do things like that. And that's a bit what I'm trying to focus, not so much on doing, but on helping the startup to, to get on his feet.
1: What, what, what do you think the government views as the benefits to being more of a technology hub? Like what have what they expressed to you that they find is the big so game?
3: A, I mean, uh, Silicon Valley has gone how it's gone because they started like that. They they started helping each other. Now, no, now it's like a shark tank. I mean, it's ridiculous. And that's a bit how this world of startup is. You go to a web summit and I remember the first year was in 19... No. In 2006, I think it was Web Summit. It's one of the biggest days. Started in Ireland, the second year in Ireland, and then they went to Lisbon. And I've gone to three of them, and it's changed totally. I mean, the, the the initial was helping the startup, and now it's just making the startup pay in a little booth. You have zero opportunity of getting anywhere. It's it's horrible, and the whole world of startup is like that. It's a carnage, and that I think has to change a bit, and that. Is where the governments have to go in, OK? What Roj did, the government should have done. And that's how it should be.
1: So before we finish, is there anything else you wanted to add about, you know, your experiences of working in tech, maybe as a, as a woman pioneering this new 360 idea, a new TV series? Or, yeah, well,
2: before that, just to add, and Silicon Valley literally got started like that. It was government, 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 exactly. subsidies, so it's amazing that you draw that parallel because it is what it takes and that's the role we can perform. Um, in terms of last notes, I mean, we've been talking a lot about entrepreneurship and the challenges and all the things, and I think that at the end of the day, it really comes down to doing things that you cannot help but do it at least that's been my experience to as of how i am satisfied with what i do today because i cannot help myself but doing it in the beginning of my entrepreneurship journey was a little bit different it was more like oh this is cool but i don't really know how it works and you know i had to learn a lot of things just smacking my face (laughs) straight up on them and um and yeah so ideally you get guidance and you can fast track a lot of these things um it's part of the journey for things that i'm excited about yeah the TV series you mentioned. So I was approached by a platform called Gaia TV to have a TV series on impact entrepreneurship. So we're in the middle of uh, shooting for that. And uh, we're covering all different areas of impact entrepreneurship in this um, because I really think that for a larger audience to be exposed to this, like we are so lucky to be exposed to it at events like this and through the things that we do each day or just being in Ibiza, you know, is like a constant uh, exposure to all sorts of things. Um but for a large part of people right now it's really not like that. And it's a little bit like, whoa, what's going on in the world? And so if we can leverage all these inspiration and all these positive energy in the impact space and take it into the mainstream and really make it relatable, that's what I'm doing in every episode. <coughs> the people we're featuring, I'm trying to take them down on an eye to eye level, really relatable, you know, and what the struggles have been so that you don't just like put someone on a pedestal. And it's like that's really not for me. Um, so making this inclusive. So I'm excited about it because of that. Because I think it's uh, uh, it's amazing to bring this to more people, and and it's needed out there. Um, and then yeah, the the new company, uh, the new startup, has been uh, an incredible journey. Uh, ESG 360. Uh, so I mean, there will be a lot to say, but yeah, it feels like a accelerated startup roller coaster because in a way we're experienced founders and so we have fast-tracked a lot of things uh which is exciting and our market like sustainability esg for companies is very very active there is so much to do and there is regulation that is pushing it forward Um, so it's kind of like an accelerated startup journey
4: jesse any final words for us anything else you wanted to add maybe give us a quick pitch (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, I was just going to say thank you. Um, no, yeah, uh, I'm just, you know, after having these conversations, um, I think there's a lot of work to do, especially on the, the island of Ibiza, to to become a tech hub. There are the opportunities are there, you know, the people are there also, the investors are there. Um, but um, I think yeah, we just need to pave way through, through for you know different people like Jesse. To, to really kind of start creating these these ecosystems um, that can certainly uh, push the movement forward. So, thank you. And uh, your um, ESG 360, that's your company? Heard about it. I'm gonna yeah. talk to you about it <laughs> 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 um, No, thank you very much.
4: Thank you very
1: much. I think it's very interesting, particularly to hear from your perspective in, in terms of the governmental interrelations that you have going on, I think, you know, this is what we need and it's brilliant that you're, you know, flying the flag for tech on the island and easy. <laughs> doing a great job. I saw, yeah, how you were doing at the end of the IP. So, congrats and thank you so much to everybody for being here. If anyone has a, a burning question, I'm sure I, I, I just knew that you would. <laughs> Eleanor Manley, there she is, <coughs> okay. Metaspace.
4: Hi everyone, hi. Um, I'm Eleanor Manley, I'm the co-founder of Metaspace. I'm a machine learning engineer, but I worked in the impact space. Um, I worked in Impact BC in Madrid, and I worked towards the quantification of impact That's measurements. A little loud. sorry. Part. Yeah, um, thank you. Um, I worked towards the quantification of impact measurement. Um, so how do you measure social, environmental, and governmental impact? I assessed around 66,000 metrics and came to the conclusion that it's very difficult to do. Um, so <laughs> I would love to firstly hear how you measure it, because like from a machine learning perspective, i tried a bunch of different algorithms, I couldn't find anything worthwhile. And then I'd love to hear how you're optimizing your um, artificial intelligence, because as someone who works in natural language processing, I find it like a very difficult topic about how much, yeah, how basically terrible for the environment my work is. And every single day I'm even coding or using an algorithm and I would love to know how I could do better for the environment. Um, So yeah, thank you both and Jessie. Thank you so much for organizing so many things. I'm here to support you whenever you need as well (laughs) and get funding from the government, absolutely. Who's first?
0: You were first.
4: Yeah. So impact
2: metrics is a great question. Impact metrics has been the endless journey of the impact space. It's a never ending journey. It's a little bit like asking, how was the universe formed? And, uh, (laughs) you know, I have seen it from the beginning of Top Tier Impact. We hosted working groups for our members. We have a network as part of Top Tier Impact across 45 countries now. And we hosted these working groups to talk about impact metrics, to try and learn from each other, to see if there's a way to harmonize it. Those discussions like still ongoing, you know, four years later, same thing in a way. My own conclusion, and then I can talk about how we look at measuring it, but my own conclusion is that there really isn't a one size fits all at all. And so, it's so dependent on geography, sector, stage of the company, uh, the market and how, where the market is at, how the market is developing. And so trying to reverse engineer it into like a top down standard that works for everybody is pointless. And it's a little bit like, actually I'll draw a parallel to web three and decentralization because from my perspective, decentralization is about saying, everybody bottom up can have their governance. Right. So everybody bottom up can have their impact metrics. And then it all comes together in an ecosystem. I see it similarly like that, right? So it's more enabling diversity and then translating for that diversity rather than trying to say, oh, we're all using the SDGs or we're all using, you know, there's a few frameworks out there that I think have good adoption. So the way that we look at it is sector geography stage, kind of like a main filter. And then within those, we look at the relatively understood or common metrics and then our own ones. Um, and every investor is a little bit different. I have to say a lot of investors, frankly, are um, uh, very high level on it, right? They don't embed it in the way that their fund measures performance. So it's something added on top of it. And you can only hope that they really care about it. Uh, and it's not just part of like, how it looks like. Uh, But yeah, I think that the impact metrics question is a never-ending question in the space. It will keep evolving as the space evolves. And my hopes is that um, it doesn't become something, oh, we found the one set to rule them all, and this is the perfect one. I do not believe in that. My hope is that it actually becomes easier to have enormous diversity that comes together in a way that makes sense. Perfect,
0: thanks. so I guess on the like the environmental impact from software is a bit easier uh, to measure. Um, it is well a software product uh, is measured in the same way you would measure the environmental impact of, say, a, a T-shirt or a sweater. We use a, a measure called the Eco Index. Um, that's pretty much like the grams of CO two that you're able to that you emit from. Uh, a product, whether it be a t-shirt or a website. When it comes to artificial intelligence and machine learning, um, that is not our expertise. Like we've worked with machine learning engineers and stuff, um, but when it comes to the actual optimization of um, those networks or whatever you're working with, uh, we haven't really come to, to, uh, we haven't figured out a a way of measurement especially because we work with websites and applications and systems. Um, but then for software products, um, like usually what happens is that you kind of, to make measurements, you take into the, the business aspect. So if you're creating a product, you have to take into consideration the, the, the business aspect, the, te- the technological aspect. So, Let's say performance, for example. And then what we try to do is add another, another variable, which would be the environment. Um, we've created kind of like a matrix. So we, we kind of treat the environment as a, a stakeholder in this case. Um, and yeah, it's, it's very detailed and, and technical. So I think a conversation would probably be a bit better uh, for the wider audience.
1: Maybe you guys can grab a cup of tea together sometime or have, no, have no, a chat absolutely. after class. Anyone <laughs> else got another question that they wanted to
4: put forward to the panel? I don't know if this is makes any sense, but um, I think any kind of role to start at a certain location, like if you want to become a tech here, it starts with education. And there is no education here. Exactly. No, all the kids leave the island because they have to study elsewhere, either in England or in Switzerland or wherever, the mainland, where there's no education. So if this is going to grow, it starts with education, I think.
3: That's what I was explaining, exactly. That you have to have the knowledge first that someone takes you by the hand and says, you need to do this and this. And and something I, I didn't say before is that something very important is that. An artist, when he paints, he gets his paints, his whatever, and he starts painting. Well, the same with a startup. If you have a concept or idea, you can't kind of start thinking, okay, uh, what lawyer do I have to think? What um, pre I have to do? What, all these things. You have to concentrate on your concept, on your idea to develop it. And uh, that's the main thing. What someone needs is to, to be told, okay, look, uh, you need this and this and this and these people can, can provide it, you need that much money but you have to center on what you want to develop and um, Ibiza is what it has, going back to Ibiza the only university we have is tourism and to be honest it's one of the best in Spain because it's had Abel Matutes, it had all these people that are pioneers of very big people in tourism world have gone and done lectures and had have motivated these young people to to want to do this uh, career as tourism. Um, to be honest, there won't be another university in Vithas. There only be tourism. So you will have to go out. It does happen for sure with Jesse. Hasn't happened with me because um, I've been more self-learned uh, from from young age. I've build my computer, got my computer and everything I've learned online lucky enough um, I've went in the Linux world where you have to develop and learn what you're doing by yourself so you used to checking online, learning online, reading and uh, all these things but yes that's a big issue and has to be fixed somehow if you want a community of young entrepreneurs you really have to Teach them the basics of what is an entrepreneur and what you're going to get out of it. Because lots of people think, I'm going to start a startup and, and, and it's not easy. I mean, whoever has done it from zero, if you have to pull all the aspects on your own, it's, it's very complicated. Mm-hmm. And most most investors, I don't know, in your world, VCs as well, check it. They usually, there's like an 80, 70, 80% of more investment in startups where there's two people, two founders than one. Because uh, that symbols that one is focused on one side and the other one another help each other on that.
1: I have one final question. Um, obviously, you know, there's all these startup pictures at the the forum, and there's a lot of like focus on finding all this funding, um, and there didn't seem to be a shortage of it actually over lunch at the forum. Which I was like, kind of sitting there trying to chew my food and not let my mouth drop open at twelve, the kinds twelve of lessons. figures that were being bandied around. <laughs> But I think it's very interesting. Like, what? How do you know whether somebody is a good investor or a bad investor? Or has the you know? They, it's very all very well then you standing up and giving them your pitch, but what happens? How do you find out whether they've got the right credentials or they're a good investor essentially?
3: It all depends on the, where the startup is. It all depends where you are in the startup. If you're in the beginning, in the middle, if you have metrics, if you have. It's a bit of energy as well. I mean, I've, I've got in my startup, in my company, I've got my investors because the energy I felt from them. Usually when you sit down, you see if you're gonna react on that. And as well, if you want an active or passive investor, I mean, it's a big, big world and we could be all night talking about it, but it's really what you're looking for. I mean, if you have your idea, your timeline, like I said, and you have everything figured out and you only need money, doesn't matter. You just get a passive investor. Have everything well signed, like I said. Good lawyers. That's very important in the world of startups. Very important to have a good lawyer and redacted all before you get any any money, because that can be an issue in the later run. Do you want right? to say?
2: Yeah, I wish more people would ask this question, frankly, because it doesn't feel that balanced, and it's such an important question. It's such an important question because at the end of the day, even though, you know, in theory, the balance is, oh, if I get an investor to invest, I just get the investment, I just get the money. But actually, it's just not worth it to have someone involved that you don't get along with. It's just not worth it. And so So marriage. Yeah, and so being and even in the cases where you say passive investment, like guess what, especially as a startup, they're still gonna bother you if they want, you know?
3: It depends so, how you how you adapt. Yeah, to yeah, but I think
2: at the end of the day, like I guess maybe it depends what you mean by passive investment, but in the cases of startups that get away with the most founder favorable terms. It's still terms where um, maybe they can't force obviously any decision, right? Like that's the setup we have for sure. Uh, But it's still people that you're gonna interact with. They're gonna send you questions, they're gonna make suggestions, right? They're still gonna be present there one way or the other. And so I think it's such an important one to think about um, that I often see, you know, and founders looking backwards, oh, if I knew or if I had thought about it. And uh, so it's really perhaps finding the confidence, even for a new founder, to say, hey, you know what, like, I'm not going to show up, like, it's an unbalanced interaction here. I am screening myself as well. And uh, there is a set of standard questions that you can ask, but I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to how you feel about the person, like, if you feel good or not about them.
3: Well, and as well, as you, as you start in as a startup, you want people that join you, that bring something to the table as well. I mean, if I'm going to get a startup that uh, has connections in something, well, that's what he brings to the table extra apart from the money, of course.
1: Just, yeah, fascinating. I have absolutely no idea how that all works and I find it very interesting. Someone put their hand up? Yeah, Can you come to the microphone? No, no, it's fine. Can you hear
5: me?
1: Just about.
3: Can you take that? or?
1: That's, oh, that's not, you. that's recording, it's a um, different mic entirely. Don't be shy, we don't bite. You know, it's, it's, all right. <laughs> Hi
5: everyone. Um, no, I have a question because I've been trying, well I've been here for about two years now, really two months, 100%. And um, we speak about the startups here, but what we don't ask in the end is where is the company based, you know? <laughs> so is it because I know that maybe you have a company here, you have a co- your company is based in another country, you too, but we work from here, and, and me too. So my question, I don't know if you know, maybe you have the best, and so you, Jesse, uh, I don't know if you looked at it, but um, I'm French. I know that in France, you have helps when you, like, uh, when you have a startup, they're going to, like,
3: You can give taxes. you, a, yeah, so start-up. how does it work
5: in Spain? And I'm gonna uh, just talk about something because I, I worked in Barcelona. I heard about the Ley Becam, all right? For when you are employed in a company, um, and wouldn't it be to create the Ley Ibiza for startups? You know, no. and like no.
3: There's there's a Ley in Spain that was approved last year, and right now we have the best uh, program for startups in Europe. Okay, it was done. You can. Uh, lay the startup you can check it on, on Google is cool, okay, Google. okay. It, was, it was approved last year it has lots of beneficials like for example you said France France is a very good good example because France um, was one of the first that let companies did tax, tax uh, taxes to a startup like you could say okay I got 20k as taxes I won't give the government and I give it to a startup. Okay, it had to be two yeah. years and all that. France was the only one that had it. But now Spain has that, but it has lots of uh, new integrations, very interesting ones. Um, for example, um, a big one is that you don't, uh, first two years you don't have to pay your autónomo. Autónomo is like, a, yeah. uh, well, everyone knows what autónomo <laughs> is. What <color? laughs> it's like se- uh, security, social security, where you pay your, your, your hospitalization, something happens to so you. Okay, uh, and uh, what, it, what it lets us well is that uh, Ethics is a, uh, I mean Spain has lots of different things but the problem it has, it doesn't join them together, they're totally different departments, they don't talk to each other, they don't have, it's, it's very very annoying. I've been, I've been like three years in this world and it's a, a, a headache because Ethics has incredible helps if you do a company in Spain and you want to go to England and open there an office or whatever, they will pay the the loans and the, and the hospitality of your workers, the first two years. Oh, well, you okay. can, out of Spain? Yeah, out of Spain. Ah, okay. is uh, Comunidad de Exteriores. Okay? Oh, from Spain? So, from Spain. Ah, okay. So it's incredible, they have really good helps, but in Spain, I'm sorry to say it, but the government is a is a is a is a well, there's a lot of pirates in okay. French,
5: so we have a lot of admin Yeah. And then I came to Spain, and I was like, "Whoa, is it just because it's not my like, mother tongue?" And then I spoke again with
3: in, with you yesterday, but like, in no, two thousand, look in but two thousand, just when COVID uh, started in two thousand twenty-one. The government got from the European uh, community 4,800 uh, 4, million as help for startups. You know, you know how much was given out until the date of now? Not even 600. There's a pot of 4,000 million to give out to startups. That's and w- why isn't it giving it out? Because they don't know yeah, how. Yeah,
5: yeah.
3: They don't know how. ETEX is doing this of helping and that's in that plan. And uh, they don't know how because there isn't uh, communities in Spain saying, hey, I need that help. It's all fill out a big form help that gets to someone that they don't know how to, to exploit it. okay? And that's a, a, a big issue. But there's lots of helps. If you, if you check it out, I can help you. I can tell you a few websites now. Where you go and they'll help you and the ethics is incredible if you want to if you want to do your company in spain and then open up in different branches they're going to help you with everything and then there's private helps uh subventionado like help from the government movistar is one of the biggest uh, telecommunication companies in the world uh, they have in all latin america and they work together with the government because telefonica was 30% owned by the government and redacted by the government f- until six years ago, okay? And then it went private when it became Movistar, it was called Telefónica España before. Yeah. And that's how it became big. Uh, I think I'm going to cut because I could talk about so many things about No, 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 I think it's, inter- it's super interesting. I mean, I've
5: not come to the events yet, but I mean, this is something that we have... To, and once again, because I know, and I'm, once again, I'm the first one, so I'm, I'm not working for a Spanish company right now. But like, if we want Ibiza to grow, I think the companies have to be based here, you know? Yeah, that's the, that's the whole concept and idea. I, I agree with you, but only to set the point of, on the Ibiza Ibizaingos thing, because I came here because I think Ibiza, they really respect that, they keep it with family and friends. I live in Barcelona, everything is in Catalan. and here, they keep it, I, I want to learn it here, when Catalan, I wanted to escape it, you know, I know it's Catalan also, no, no,
3: don't, don't, say it, no don't, don't say that, especially in front of Ibiza, don't say that, <laughs>
5: no, be sure of it, and, uh, I mean, that's that's also why I love Ibiza, because I think the Ibiza, we have, they have uh, pros and cons, whatever, but they really respect that, and they will, like, no Ibiza has ever tried to talk to me, in Ibiza, you know, I speak Spanish, and they speak Spanish to me, you go to Barcelona, you know the story, yeah. They, they
3: have 50 years of tourism. They used to, yeah, they know, know. Well, they, they know Russia they have to be nice. Years to of tourism. But the problem is that with, with Ibicenco, or, or mostly Ibicenco, and it's, it's been like a virus, to the rest of the people that came to Ibithan feel Ibicenco. okay, that their mentality is what I said, they're not going to trust or yeah, no, put any in something that they don't see. It's like uh, there's a Spanish saying culo veo culo quiero, (laughs) as I see, as I want. And Ibiza is like that. If if he does it and it works well, I want it. Okay, that's the content. I'm going to shut up now. (laughs)
2: It's crazy. I didn't know about this for Spain. And I think it's a typical case of uh, amazing product and terrible marketing. Exactly. Because, you know, you think about, like, think about Estonia, right? It's the opposite in a way. I'm not saying or that Turkey. it's a bad Tur- product. Turkey as well. Right, yeah. More recently, Portugal. Wow. Yeah, so better marketing.
3: Yeah. You're on it. Well, I'm on, on, on Ibiza. I'm not. Uh, let someone else take the rest of Spain. But I want to focus that on Ibiza, yeah.
1: That was a beautiful ending. As I see, as I want. I shall take that to bed with me tonight. Thank you so much for coming. It's been a joy and a pleasure to meet you all here. It's It's the reset rebel. It's the reset rebel.
3: It's the reset rebel. Coming to you every day.